Good morning. Take your Bibles and turn to Mark. Mark the sixth chapter. We're going to consider this morning a couple of passages uh, dealing with Jesus feeding the 5,000 and with Jesus feeding the 4,000. You know, and it's interesting that the feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle of Jesus other than the resurrection that is mentioned in all the Gospels, all of them. The 4,000 is only in Matthew, Luke and John, but Matthew and Mark record both. But before we read, let's familiar with what's going on before that. Um, you remember he had went to Nazareth, and he went on the Sabbath, and he went into the synagogue, and he preached, and they took offense at him because they said, how can he do this? We know him. We know his mother, we know his brothers, we know his sister, we know all of them. Where did this wisdom come from? And instead of following him, they shunned him. And it says Jesus was amazed at their lack of belief. From there, he sent out the 12, and he sent them out two by two, you remember. And the instructions were to preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand and preach a message of repentance. They were to take no money, they were to take no food, no extra clothes, only what they had on and sandals and a staff. And they were to heal the sick, raise the dead, cure the lepers, and drive out demons. It was an exercise in faith for them to depend upon God for all things that he would provide. The next thing that happened was that if you remember, Herod had taken his brother Philip's wife. And John the Baptist was not shy about telling him that it was not lawful for him to have her. And in verse 19 of 6, So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and a holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. But on Herod's birthday, you remember Herodias' daughter danced for him, and Herod succumbed to the fear of man and desired the praise of men more than the praise of God and had John beheaded. Let's start reading in verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. The unfailing love of God. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. 
This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on green grass. So they sit down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. And if you remember, was the whole reason for him going there because he wanted to pray because John had been killed. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and they were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. For they had not understood about the loaves. When I think of that and I read it, so if we think back a little bit, he sent them out with authority and power to cast out demons, to raise the dead, to cure leprosy, to heal the sick, and they did it. And if you will remember, when they came back, they were excited to be with him and to tell him and to report all that they had done. They were amazed at the things that he had allowed them to do. And now it said that they were completely amazed. Because they did not understand about the lows. Their hearts were hardened. The disciples couldn't grasp who he was. 
that he was the God of Abraham, he was the God of Isaac, and he was the God of Jacob. He was the God of Scripture. They knew he was associated with God. They knew he was from God. But we all know that they would not understand exactly who he was until after the resurrection. They were men chosen by God that would take the gospel to the world. But they were still growing in their faith. They were men that were torn between two worlds, the seen and the unseen. The seen, we need bread. The unseen, God will provide. We're the same. As believers, we are made for eternity with God, but for now, we're stuck here. And we will never find anything in this world to fill that need that only God can fill. And if we try, we're just chasing after the wind. And then when I think of that, a picture of that, chasing after the wind, something you can't even see you're trying to catch. And the other thing I think about is you've seen a dog chasing his tail. And that's us when we seek satisfaction in anything besides God. That's us. And if we try it, we're headed down a dead-end road that leads to anxiety, stress, depression, sickness, and strife. The pharmaceutical industry is thriving because there are so many people chasing after the wind. We will never find rest for our souls in anything except him. And he made us that way. Mark the eighth chapter. This is where he feeds the 4,000. It's interesting here that Matthew records this. And the amazing part about this is, and he's going to say it in there, I believe, in Mark. Um, Matthew tells us that he went up there and he sat down on the side of a mountain and he healed all the sick they brought him for three days. For three days he sat there and healed all of the sick that brought him, that came to him, and then fed them. All right, March, verse 1. During those days, another large crowd gathered. And since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When they had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to sit before the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also, 
and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 men were present. And having sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the region of Dalmatia. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. To test him, they asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, Why does this generation ask for a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth, no sign will be given it. Then he left them, got back into the boat, and crossed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus said. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, It is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls did you pick up? Twelve, they said. When I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many baskets of pieces did you pick up? Seven. Then he said to them, do you still not understand? When we consider God's word and commit to reading and studying it, we constantly see the wisdom of God on every page, every page. We see the perfection, the completeness, the wholeness of it in every verse. From start to finish, it's all connected. Even though written by different men thousands of years apart, it all fits perfectly together because it is the inspired word of God. In our passage this morning, you might recall God providing manna for the Israelites in the desert when he fed the 5,000. You could think back, God providing for his children. God having compassion and providing. In both cases, they were in the desert where there was no food, there was no water. We can see the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 baskets that were picked up, and in the seven baskets we see completeness. Also, the way we see the wisdom and love of God is in the fact that every page in the book is useful for, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, and it has been for every generation that has lived. The story of God reconciling a people unto himself. I will be their God, and they will be my people. In 14, 8, 14, 
where he talked about them, they said they forgot bread. And he warned them. He said, be careful. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. The yeast of the Pharisees, I believe, it can be several things. But I believe here it's unbelief. Verse 11, the Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. To test him, they asked for a sign from heaven. To witness and acknowledge a miracle and then ask for a sign. A question born out of unbelief. What must we do to do the works God requires? Believe on the one he sent. Then show us a sign. A question born out of unbelief. Hypocrisy is pretending to be something that we are not or something that we can never be. The Pharisees thought they had attained the place to where they no longer needed instruction. Instead, they were the teachers of Israel. They were the authority on all God-related matters, and yet here he stood, and they refused to come to him. There are degrees of unbelief. On one end, we have the Pharisees. They, they were very active, and they were very vocal in their unbelief. Um, no matter what he did or what he said, they're not going to have it. They were not going to believe. Their unbelief had consumed them to the point where they were doomed for destruction. Herod, he knew that John was a man of God. He knew that John was a holy man. He could see it. But he still sent the executioner to the cell to cut his head off. Because the darkness of unbelief blinded any conscience that he might have had left. The disciples were men growing in their faith. Jesus rebuked them several times for their unbelief. You know, I think about the man who came to Jesus, do you remember, and he asked Jesus to heal his son. And he said, Lord, if you can do anything, what did Jesus say? If I can. And the man said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And that has been the cry of so many believers ever since. Because we were made for another world. This world is not our home. And we are looking for that city with foundations whose builder is God. The yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod is alive and well today. We see it in the church. We see it in the, we see it in the unbelievers when you are talking. If you missed Sunday school this morning, you need to go back and watch it. It was amazing. But when you talk to an unbeliever, 
you can see it because they cannot comprehend what you're talking about. They cannot understand matters pertaining to God. We see it in the church when the whole counsel of God is not accepted. But here's the deal. Here's the danger for me and for you. When we harden our hearts even just a little and refuse to obey God on what we may consider even a minor issue, when we do that, we willingly allow the yeast of unbelief into our hearts and left unchecked and unrepented of we are risking the voluntary blindness that comes with unbelief until we can no longer discern right from wrong. And we've seen it happen, haven't we? We've seen it happen. To where they went out from among us because the yeast grew and blinded. We've seen it. And yet all along, Jesus is there, and he's saying, be careful. Be careful. Watch out, because it could happen to any one of us if we take our eyes off of him. So how do we watch out? For the yeast of the Pharisees. Number one, we stay in God's word. For all of you uh, whose names are up here that have graduated and are going to be going out into the world, this is especially for you this morning. I didn't plan it that way, but it worked. We stay in God's word. We encourage and we build one another up. Proverbs Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. Monitor what you see and what you hear. Because from it flows everything that you do. The death of John the Baptist became a possibility when the girl was dancing for Herod and he allowed his thoughts to run rampant. The sinful thought entered his heart. Your thought life, and Lucas talked to him about that this in Sunday school, your thought life is either bringing you closer to God or it is taking you farther away. At any given minute, at any moment, your thought life is bringing you closer or taking you further. Everything you do flows from it. The Lord is amazing, though. He is the God who provides for his children. Before the creation of the world, he called us to be his people. He bought us through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus, and he provides the means 
He provides us the means to keep away the yeast of the Pharisees. And these things are so simple, but they're so true. You need to be in the Word every day. Every day. You need to read about Jesus every day. Then go to one of the letters every day. Read about it every day. And build that up. That's the first thing. The second thing. He has provided the words for us to pray that we may be strengthened and built up in our relationship with him. And you're going to notice that in a lot of the elder prayers. The Psalms are mentioned. And the Psalms are used as we pray to God. Because they are God's words, they are God's gift to believers. That through using them, you may come to know him better. The prayer has been called the prayer book of the church. All generations have used them. And if you will incorporate the Psalms into your prayer life, you will see a transformation in your prayer life and your thought life. You will see it. They are the words of God given for us to use to come before him. Only them know but they are given for us to use. Whatever you're going through right now, the psalmist went through it and he wrote a prayer for it. Everything you're going through, anything you could possibly go through, whatever you're dealing with. You know, Luke said, you remember after the, uh, and I didn't verify this, um, <laughs> but I believe it was after the road to Emmaus, and he had walked with those guys, and then he went back to Jerusalem. Jesus was, went to Jerusalem, and the Bible says that he went into the room with the, apostles, the disciples. And I think it's there that he said, all of the law, the prophets, and the Psalms are about me. He said, it's all about me. Pick a psalm. I'm going to tell you something I've done, and it works. If you're dealing with anxiety, and don't do it right now, but if you're dealing with anxiety, Google it. Psalms about anxiety, and it'll come up. If you're dealing with depression, Google it. Psalms about depression, it will come up. There will be something there. Pick one. Read it, meditate upon it, look for Jesus in it because he's in there. Pray it, and then I'm going to use a bad word, memorize it.
It hasn't been, I don't know how many years ago, but not as long as I can't remember, when I started doing that. And you're carrying around, you're sitting in the waiting room at the hospital, and you've got Psalms in here. And there they are. You're laying in the bed in the hospital, and the Psalms are in here. You know, when the, um, when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt and he was taking them to the promised land and, um, you know, he, he kept telling them along the way, when you get there, all of the, uh, the what are the Jebusites, the Hittites, the Desites and thoseites, and he said, here's what we're going to do kill them all kill them all didn't they do it no so that you know when he, he, he went ahead God is always faithful he gave them the land they moved in he said you're going to live in houses that you didn't build you're going to be eating from fields you didn't plant Why do we have to kill all these people? So they're walking along. And they go by. First they go by the Hittite. They wave at him. Maybe a week later he stopped and visited with him. And then he got home one day and he told his wife, they're just like us. They have a God, they just call him Molech. There's more than one God, isn't there? And then they're sacrificing their children in the fire. Doing things that were detestable. The yeast of the Pharisees is here, or is still here, and so are the Hittites. And you walk by them every day, and they're wanting you to turn and look, and they're wanting you to come over, and there's flashing lights. Don't go. And when y'all get out of the house, you kids, and you go, stay in the Word, memorize the Psalms, be in the Word every day. And look straight ahead at what you're doing. If you will do this, if you will use the Psalms and you will find your, what you will do is you will find yourself meditating upon them day and night as David wrote many, several times. When you wake up at night, it's amazing, but if you are actively I have to be doing something, I have to be memorizing, or I have to be going over. 
Because if you don't, it's gone. It's gone. And you have to redo it. It's easier the next time, but you still have to redo it. I have to do that because my mind wanders. And it wanders places it should not go. But if you will find do that, you will see yourself waking up at night and whatever psalm you're working on is going to come to your mind immediately. If you will make the psalms a part of your prayer life and commit them to memory, you will never have to worry about the yeast of the Pharisees or the Hittites. The seeds of doubt will find no fertile ground in your heart. There won't be any. There'll be no room for it because your heart will be full. The seeds of fear and doubt will find no room because your heart will be well fortified with thoughts of God. I believe in the power of God's word more than I can tell you. And I believe in the power of God's words more than I can tell you. Through praying the Psalms, you will become strengthened in your understanding of who God is and who you are in him. We're going to close and we're going to, I'm going to pray for us, Psalm 63. And I picked that for you, Cain. If you research and look a bit, little bit, um, 63, Matthew Henry, uh, Spurgeon, a bunch of them, believe that that was written, David wrote that, when he had left Jerusalem because of Absalom. You know, he had went out and, what's his name, Shimei or Shimea or whatever he was, chunking rocks at him and pelting him with rocks. And David went out, and if you read through that, and I didn't before this, but the what's going on in David's mind is that God is supreme, and if he wants somebody else, so be it. If only he, you know, the part that bothered him the most was being away from the temple and away from the presence of God is what disturbed him. And he's in the wilderness, and him and his men are hiding, and he writes Psalm 63. One other thing I was going to say, um, this is an NIV Bible, and I'm sorry for that, but not really, Um, and I'm not rebelling. I believe in the way we do things and using the ESV, because whenever Jonathan's preaching and you, you don't bring, if you grab the one, it's going to be the same. And I wholly agree with that. 
But if you start, and I, I'm going to say when you start, if you don't already, and I suspect a lot of you are already doing this, you need to use a version that you can memorize. My brain thinks in NIV. It just goes there. It just does. And that's what I use when I'm memorizing, and that's why I brought in. I like ESV, but sometimes it's, it's just harder to do. In the different versions, there's a lot, as long as you find a good one, use it if it will help you. Let's all pray. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand opposed me. But those who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. And all who swear by God's name will praise him. While the mouth of liars will be silenced. Amen. That's the lesson. <laughs>